0: Behind every great artist, there's a great band who help take the music from the studio to the stage. In each episode, I talk with some of the most accomplished and sought-after musicians in the world, delving into the details of their backgrounds, their stories, and their journeys, doing away with the fiction, and getting into the facts. It's not about the hype It's not about the product It's about the players What's up, what's up, what's up Thanks for downloading We really appreciate your support In this episode I talk with Joe Clegg, Drummer, music director His credits include Mumford & Sons Clean Bandit Ellie Goulding, and many others. As has been the way in 2020, we jumped on a lockdown call and I got to know more about Joe. Check it out. All right, well, let's get into it. So I'm here with Joe Clegg, Um, the amazing, the fantastic, the wonderful. (laughs) Um, I'm really looking forward to having this conversation, man. Um, Thank you for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me. That's quite the introduction as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, wow. you know, we like to kind of make people feel welcome, you know, but <laughs>
1: So basically basically Dobby shit now is what, is what you're
0: yeah. Saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You better live up to all this now though, but no, but you know what? I mean, I think that um I think for me you're actually one of the first people I'm talking to who I haven't actually worked with actually <laughs> <laughs> which is um which is really interesting so I'm really looking forward to learning a little bit more about you and about your journey and about the things you do um I've seen things from afar and been like amazingly impressed but, oh, nice. um yeah really looking forward to kind of having this so um let's just jump into it man what let's go. how would what do you what what do you do? What have you been doing? What How do would I you do? best
1: describe yourself as a musician? Uh, what do I do? Um, what have I been doing? Um, I mm. am a musician, like you. Mm-hmm. I am an accidental musical director. Um, okay, and I, we can get into that. Um, I'm I'm, I'm a, I love creating things, um, mm-hmm. and ever since I could, I have wanted to make music, and mm-hmm. that turned into making art, and turn turn into guests, and making anything creative. Um, mm-hmm. And my background has spanned lots of different things like graphic design and some web stuff and making short films and creative direction on pop tours. And I've done all these different things and and they all sort of of show my different sides of my character. I'm just really constantly um, excited about learning new creative things and being involved in anything that is um, stimulating creatively. So I guess that's formulated who I am as a musician.
0: Amazing, amazing. And um, you said you were kind of an accidental MD. Yeah. I, mean, I think I think a lot of us were accidental MDs, actually. <laughs> well, um, would, you, would you describe yourself as a drummer that um, MDs or an MD that drums at this stage? Do
1: you know, if you'd asked me that maybe four years ago, I would have said drummer that MDs. And mm-hmm. now, or I guess pre-lockdown, I would have said MD that plays drums. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. it's just been a, it, it's kind of been a real shift for me in perspective more than anything um mm-hmm. my like, the big sort of long longevity of a show that i did was the ellie show um mm-hmm. ellie, goulding, that, ellie goulding yeah and i started out as as drums but like within the first month or two they asked me to be musical director and by accident like i didn't know really what that meant but i'd already at that point sort of just displayed my keenness for production aesthetic and quality like we could do this and we can reference the record in this way and we could use this sample but this thing needs an eq and you know just having ideas really early on and i was really fortunate at that time that it was so new for all those guys in the team mm-hmm. that there was space for me to be myself right um, so right. i learned how to be musical director like at the in the deep end at the deep end so right she did yours home within a month and then you know we're doing snl and all the big things really quickly so um so yeah, it was a, an accidental MD thing, uh, but drums were my, you know, drums were my passion and my love, and that's kind of what got me to that point. And then fast forward, you know, ten, eleven years of working with Ellie. But maybe four or five years ago, I, the first call came in. So can you just come and help us put our show together and not play your instrument? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And that was like, oh, you're a musical director. What does that look like? How much are you charge for that? <laughs> um, right, but, right, right, right. But also, like, okay, what the hell do I do in this setting when I am the person that just walks in and I'm not behind my instrument. I've got nothing mm-hmm. to really hide behind. And um, mm-hmm. thankfully, I really enjoyed it and I had okay results. And that sort of built and built to the point where I worked in other, you know, big sort of arena size shows, which is my total dream to do.
0: And what type of people were calling you? Who, did, Yeah, who did you MD? Like, what kind of people were you doing? Um,
1: so actually, I think a couple of gigs that you did, um, which was difficult to okay. walk into because they were kind of big shoes. Um, ah, please. No, no, but it's true. that The first thing that I did MD'd Outside of Ellie, and I was still playing Ellie, was Luna George.
0: Oh, yeah, I remember Luna George. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: And Luna George, I think you'd put the band together and you were on that just before me, and you'd gone off to do something else like Jess Glenn or something, some huge thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember because our old front of house guy for Ellie was doing front of house for Luna. So there's a good link already. Um, right, 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 right. And he recommended me. And he and I worked well, really well together. So I walked mm-hmm. in and I was like, well, I'm a drummer. I know technology and tech and how things work and fit together, and being able to get sounds from things—that's kind of my like my little passion area. Um, mm-hmm. Again, this is the first MD thing I'd done outside of Ellie, so it was, I was still pretty green. Um, mm-hmm. But it went really well, and I got on really well with the artist, and importantly as well the management, uh, and yes, they, they kept absolutely. me around for for quite you know a couple of years, three years, whatever, until I went on did something else, um, and it built from there
0: fantastic
1: um so as well as luna george um it kind of kind of grew I luna george and then start with clean bandit maybe four years ago now a long mm-hmm. time ago now four yeah four years ago um who else lots of things and i got up last time no, 2018 last i did uh the mother and son's delta world tour um which was like the the next biggest thing that I'd done in terms of like mm-hmm. venue sizes and scale, that was um, a really amazing experience. Um, yeah, but been really fortunate to have kind of bounce from project to project as a musical director, um, running in parallel with Ellie. And when Ellie got a bit quiet after her, and you know in the breaks to an album cycles, I would just keep going and keep working. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's why I would say that I'm an MD that plays drums now, sure, um, because that's kind of where my the trajectory is taking me.
0: Sure, sure, sure. And when you were originally um starting with Ellie, how did you get that gig? Like, how did you <laughs> find yourself in that situation? Uh, like,
1: this—it's a nut story, um and it, <laughs> it is a true story. So I'm um, oh, trying to tell you concisely is tricky because I love to waffle. So you know, <laughs> <just laughs> no, it's interject. all good. Right? Um, you,
0: you have a fellow waffler with
1: you, so it's all <laughs> Let's go, let's go. Yeah. Um, so I did the. I'm from Lancashire, and I studied A-level music, music technology, um. My career advisor told me, you'll never be a professional musician. I'm like, no, screw you. I'm moving to London. <laughs> um, and I got to Guildford when I started at ACM a um, long mm-hmm, long mm-hmm. time ago. After ACM, I'm like, right, I'm going to move into London and get a gig. It's going to be sick. And nothing happened. And, you know, I was reaching out to like, this, the fixers and the MDs that I knew at the time, just from like searching online, and looking at gigs that I liked. And they're all like, oh, yeah, we don't know who you are. Come back when you've done a gig. Um, good luck. So like, not, <laughs> just like the hard reality of this is the working life as a musician, it's not easy. Um, sure. I ended up in Bristol and I joined a band that um, their drummer just left. They were on a, on a major and they'd been dropped. The record didn't do too well, but the music was amazing. And I spent maybe five years living in Bristol, um, Okay. traveling Europe, basically learning how to be in a band, um, playing drums, drums was my thing. And around that time, I started learning vicariously through the guys because they were a lot older than me. And they'd done records they'd been in studios they had a budget they you know they knew how to make good sounds and i learned ableton and i learned Mm -hmm. logic um Mm -hmm. and that's kind of as as far as i got into that world but i started being aware of playback because i was suddenly in charge of pressing play on tracks so (laughs) i'm being curious about it i was trying to learn as much as i could about all of that so i could do that job well um so i did that for like five or six years lived in bristol and i couldn't get a job that a music job that was really paying. And I was like working at Starbucks and I was teaching drums and paying my rent by doing graphic design. Bad graphic design, but I was doing it. Um, <laughs> right, right. By doing flyers and doing breading and stuff. Just again, just into art and anything that looks and feels cool. Um, mm-hmm. Just getting by. But it, it wasn't enough. Like in terms of hunger, it wasn't enough. Um, mm-hmm. I felt really frustrated. Um, I'd, not, I'd had a great time in Bristol, but I was ready to like, come on, let's just go. I'm like, in yeah. my... I'm in my early twenties now, am like 21, 22. I've studied, I've toured, can't get a break. What is going on? But ran out of money. So I had to move back to Lancashire. Mm-hmm. I, hadn't, I chose to move back to Lancashire and I was nearly married and we moved mm-hmm. in with my in-laws. And oh, that's I,
0: interesting. You got married that young.
1: Yeah. 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 I met, wow. I met my, uh, my girl when we were kids, when we were college, she was an art student. Wow. I was a music student. Yeah. And wow. our, our sort of paths sort of, um, sort of deviated for a year or so and then came back together. Uh, I guess it was just meant to be, um, that's beautiful, incredibly man. fortunate, you know, um, we very fortunate to have met her and now we have children and, you know, I, I like to, one of the things that this is a side side note, but one of the things that I just always try to make the most important thing is I do not want to be a statistic of a musician that, or a creative person that's lost their relationships to tour. Yeah, no, 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 no. And that's easier said than done, <laughs> but for us, no, but for us, I've been really blessed and fortunate that, um, you know, she's an incredible woman and has helped support me and push me and, um, you know, raise a family whilst I've been out on the road. Uh, so that's a yeah, side note yeah. of, I love my wife.
0: <laughs> no, <yeah>. um, <laughs> Hey, but you can't say things like that enough because it's important. It's really important. I like, because I feel as if like, I think what we do, it does take a lot of time. Um mm. it, it can be time consuming. It can take you away from home. So you have to be... Partnered with somebody who understands that, um, and vice versa, you have to show that same understanding at different times also um, yeah, totally. as well, but it's, Im- but it's important. It's really I mean, important. It, was, and, and if it was definitely worth celebrating.
1: Yeah, oh well, I celebrate it. Um, we, if it wasn't for her, when I moved back to Lancashire, um, I would have given up on the idea of trying to pursue a career in music uh, in, some, in wow. terms of making music. I was at that point really, because how old was I? maybe 24 at this point. I didn't meet aliens mm-hmm. until I was twenty-five, uh, so it's quite mm-hmm. really late. I, I would say. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I thought at the time. Um, I do Yeah, I don't,
0: I think I still think that's really early. But we'll get on to that. We'll get, onto yeah. that. get on to that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's yeah. a musical maturity that is only just surfacing all these years later. So you know, I think it's all. It all works out. It's all relative. Um, yes. But my yes. wife, my wife was like, just let go of this. This, I don't know this this desire this whatever it is to make money from the thing that you love Mm
0: -hmm. not that that's bad Mm -hmm.
1: but it's becoming something that is negative it's a block it's something that's getting you down and it's not good for you um you are creative in all these different ways why don't you just push on lots of doors and see what opens and i was Mm -hmm. thinking well i could totally go and study and do graphic design degree or go and study film um Mm -hmm. and go make films or go and design stuff you know that would I would love the idea of that but mm-hmm. something within me like i just want to play i want to play like i'm made for this this is what i want to do and everything all the odds are against me i'm back in lancashire where i started uh-huh. and those people that said that i couldn't do it they might kind of be right and that sucks <laughs> um but my wife my wife said to me over the summer of 2009 i remember it like vividly She said just mm-hmm. forget all that and reconnect with music for the sake of loving music mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. And I did uh, like jumped on music blogs like Hype Machine um, and all this great music was coming out. And this girl called Ellie Golding popped up with a cover of a uh, Bon Iverter track. Mm-hmm. And um, I heard her voice um, straight away like, wow, this girl, that's a spe- there's something special about this. Mm-hmm. And I just her an acoustic. And I searched for online, no website. She had a Myspace, Myspace, I guess, tail end of all that world. And mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. super unassuming. Um, mm-hmm. A couple of demos. Starry-Eyed was one of her big early tracks. That was it. There was a demo. Mm-hmm. Um, this track Lights as a demo. which was mm-hmm. a big breakthrough song. Like, no pictures. I can't remember if there was anything else, but in this little box, I remember it saying, I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking for a band or, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm looking for a band or I, I want to start jamming some of these ideas out of the band. Mm-hmm. Drop me a message. I'm like, okay, okay, right. My years have led me here. I've heard this. Yeah. I think it's cool. I found this little box on the MySpace page. Uh Nothing to lose. I'm just going to message and not going to worry about it. And I forgot about about it. And maybe two weeks later, I got an email from her manager. I auditioned maybe two weeks after that. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is like, I'll tell you this part of the story because it kind of gives you a snapshot into who I am and the way my personality is. But um, I pestered their producer, who I didn't know at the time. And I didn't know it was his first, like, big record that he was doing, uh, Finn yeah, 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 an amazing guy. I'm going to tell Finn. you
0: something funny in a second, but go yeah. ahead, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> I was like, dude, can you just stem this out for me? Um, I know you've not, it might have been a demo version, I know, you've not, not finished the record yet, but you've asked me to play, or I've been asked to play three tracks in the audition, one of them, Starry-Eyed, and it's all this 808 kick and clap, and the vocal chop thing, which is <laughs> the hook, I know that I can play it. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. could you stem me out the drums as individual like kick snares, um hats, and can you stem me out I'll take anything that's involved involves the vocal chops. Um so I got some stuff through. I had my cracked copy of Ableton Live on my phone a pot laptop <laughs> held together with gaffer tape. I had broken in ears. Uh-huh. Um I didn't have an SPDS. I, I mean I was like, right, how do I I've got an idea. Mm-hmm. I think it could be cool. And I believe in it. How do I make this happen without any money? So right, my right, right. and I didn't say anything to anybody. I spoke to my wife about it, but my wife must have spoken to her grandma, and her grandma called me and said, "I've just put a thousand pounds in your account, and that a thousand pounds is is for you. I know you've got an audition coming up. I know you need some some things. Um, this is money because I believe in you. It's not necessary just to go and do this audition. It's for you, and I believe in you, and I want you to hear that and accept it." And uh, I was totally blown away, um, as you would be, right? I had, I had no money yeah. at all. Um, we were God, kind of hanging on. Um, and with that £1,000, I bought an SPDS, and I fixed my ears, <laughs> and I bought a legit copy of Ableton so I could do the things I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I bought a Behringer DI strip um, mm-hmm. so that I could just quickly open my laptop, and everything's plugged in, and I could literally give them like a stereo feed for my DI rack, and they get everything. And I... I put together a full playback version of Starry-Eyed. They didn't ask me to do it. Uh, they didn't know I was going to turn it on my laptop. Um, but I went in there, played the track acoustic drums. and had a vibe in the room. I said, just give me a second. You know, probably, not probably, I was super like pushing my luck a little bit, but I've got this idea. It's going to take me like five minutes to set up. Is that cool? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, fine. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in Bush Studios, I remember it so vividly, it's sounded just sort of shit in there, it um, <laughs> still does. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I played Story I'd, with a click, with all the SPDS and all the 808s, and, um, and that was, the, I got the kick. that was it.
0: Wow, yep. Yeah.
1: That, <laughs> I feel
0: like I wish I that had was a tr- fucking trigger pad and some clapping <laughs> and some shit, because that's <laughs> fucking incredible, man. True story though, that's, that's
1: true. And then my life, in terms wow. of professional life, changed instantly um yeah wow
0: that that is absolutely amazing that is just like it just firstly is technically amazing but also just to um to have the drive and the idea to do that and then to have the support of somebody to believe in you people only believe in you when you're a certain type of human being and to you know i think that's um a credit to you that she was prepared to kind of you know take that kind of punt on you so to speak and um what a great way to do it man that's fucking fantastic
1: shit yeah yeah it was that was like a, one of the few many uh i wasn't a few or many two different things there have been quite a few of those moments in my life where i look back and go do you know what that was an act of kindness and generosity that set me down this path that yeah, led to yeah. where i am now and i wouldn't have done that without that moment
0: but sometimes it just goes to show you you have to be prepared to maybe think about doing something a different way. And I talk about this a lot, but it's just about bringing something to the table. You know, it's like some people would have just turned up with a fucking, with their kit and like, oh, <laughs> what you got? And if there's other sounds here, or I don't know, I've learned it a bit and it kind of goes like this, but it's like, uh, you actually really applied yourself to make something special of it. I so just wanted, I wanted it.
1: I wanted to do it. I wanted, that's the first, the first time I've been invited into a rehearse, like an audition in London. It's my first ever mm. audition. Um, mm. And I went in and went. This is me. This is yeah. It's kind of bold me coming in doing this and spending that camera to do audition, to do an audition isn't crazy, um, mm, yeah. you know. With hindsight, but I guess it showed my tenacity at the time. Um, what well, I also I didn't tell them that I didn't live in London. So I right right I was in, still in Lancashire and I was part of my mum's old blue like bright sky blue Peugeot 206. And I was leaving, <laughs> I was leaving like Lancashire at four in the morning to get to 10 a.m. Uh, rehearsals when I got the gig at a Bush, in Shepherd's Bush. Um, wow. Until they clocked that that was stupid and dangerous and they started, you know, they looked after me. Um, yeah, I was, I was so adamant that it's not going to be a thing that I'm not in London because, Yes, yes. I, because I tried to be in London and I couldn't afford it. And mm-hmm. I moved back to Lancashire because that's the only option I had. But, mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I'm pushing as hard as I can to earn the right to do this because I want to. So, have to you
0: it. always lived? Have you, have you always commuted? Basically,
1: um, since yeah, since Ellie. So, I lived you know like I moved from Lancashire to Guildford, Surrey, to study ACM, and then I my mm-hmm. intent was to go into town, and I kind of deviated, mm-hmm. diverted up to Bristol, and I was there for about five, six years, and again, my intention was to go back into London, and that never happened. And I came back to Lancashire, and that's wow. been me for the last ten years
0: amazing i think that yeah that's that's fucking amazing man what an amazing <laughs> story i i think the the thing that i was going to say that was interesting for me about that like so at that period of time i mean we kind of got started at the same time i guess cuz i think at, at that particular time i um so i was um i was just playing keys at that point in time hmm. um and i was playing with a guy called Frank music um yeah and and he was um him like him and starsmith were really good friends um starsmith would come and do gigs with vinnie we would do gigs and he would kind of support him <laughs> small world man and, yeah very small world and i remember them um working on ellie at, at that mm. particular time frank was a kind of he was I, you know ellie hadn't released anything yet so i, I mean everybody knew starsmith was a genius but it hadn't actually come out yet yeah. and um, yeah they, they were always talking about this girl that they were doing and demos and whatnot and yeah I, re- I just remember that particular time period very well because it that out in was an exciting time yeah, it was exciting. But I just, you know, again, it's like at that particular time, I was I was just playing keys. I didn't even know what MDM was. Really. <laughs> I had an idea, but I definitely wasn't doing it. And I um, and it was around the time my son was born as well. Um, oh, cause I, and I think as well, that's probably the last gig I played on, uh, if, if I think about it, actually. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, small world, small oh, world, world indeed. <laughs> so um, obviously, um, I guess at that particular time, you got in at the very beginning and there's no way of knowing. How big or massive Ellie would sure, become? Yeah. Um, how was the? Um, how did you find that sort of playing drums and MD on such a big project? That must have been it pretty was complicated.
1: Yeah, complicated. Uh, it's exactly <laughs> it's exactly what it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but then I guess I didn't know any different. And right, dab straight, I was not going to fail in my own mind. Right. Like I'm going to do whatever it takes. Work as hard as I can. Mm-hmm. Learn from our mistakes. Learn from people who are me you? I think are better than me can absorb from and mm-hmm. treat everything with that mentality. And do you mm-hmm. know, it was, so, it was so exciting. It was Ellie's first, yeah. you know, Ellie broke through and Ellie's manager was the first artist he managed. Like what a set of ears to find that. I mean,
0: yeah, absolutely. Finn was his
1: first, first proper breakthrough record as a producer. Everything That's about right. it was, right. was new and exciting. And then they took a massive chance on me. Um, mm, mm. massive chance because they could have had anybody to be the MD and to be the drummer. Nobody knew who I was, but and um and I thought, think at the time, I only learned this years later that Ellie like wasn't fully convinced just because I didn't have any kind of CV or track record. Um, but her manager Jam was like, "No, I've, I've got a vibe. I think this guy's gonna be. I think he's the guy. Uh, we'll see how we go." Um, so the idea of being behind a kit and being an MD and having the ability to see the bigger picture, um, mm. that's been an evolution of learning how to do that. Um, like, fast forward to now, 10 years later, and mm-hmm. as 11 years later, whatever, um, it's so much easier, quicker, clearer to stand in front of the house and be an MD. Well, 100%. Sure. And I'm sure, I'm I'm if, if you think the same thing, but to be it's in, I think it's harder to do it in a rehearsal room when I'm trying to bounce between play my instrument, mix a track, or EQ a track, or learn a part or go through a sound speak to the artist go to the front house console or speak to monitors do playback all that stuff um that is draining and like <laughs> when people ask me about oh yeah man what's it like being an md yeah cool i'm like it's really hard it's <laughs> yeah, it's, hard. It's, it's fucking it's hard, hard. like you don't i didn't know what i was doing and i don't necessarily pretend to know what i'm doing right now i'm just, still just a massive work in progress but um you're expected, I think, from my experience, to wear all these hats really well. You're meant to be a great player. You're meant to be have a great musical awareness, be able to communicate mm. rhythm, harmony, um, musicality, but also talk big picture with an artist and help them navigate through how they piece together this record they've made, or records uh, across the space of a 60 or 90 minute show. Um, then you're meant to sit in the middle between the artist's vision and the management perspective, and then right. the tour management perspective so you've you've got the dream and the vision you've got the budget you've got the time frame and then navigate all those things but also like i am i'm massively in, involved in front of house and mix mm-hmm. and playback because that's kind of i think my specialty and kind of where i've grown into over mm-hmm. the years so my my head is always in that i'm always thinking navigating all of this trying to arrange this music to appease or make everybody happy make sure the artist is is getting the show that they want but it's on budget and on time but mm. that the mix can be translatable in a field at glastonbury or at live lounge or you, you know you know exactly what i'm talking about um,
0: absolutely so the absolutely. idea of
1: oh yeah being md must be so easy like you just go and play drums and you know you know ableton and stuff so it's like you can do tracks i'm like no absolutely not if that's if that's what you're aiming for and you what you think you're in t- into then I suggest that it might not be for you.
0: Well, then, I think the other thing for me is it's like you also there's the whole personality aspect. There's the whole dealing with people. It's like you have to be a, there's there's a politics involved that I just don't think everybody has because yep. you're having to deal with labels, management, artists, musicians, yep. techs, crew, yep. front of house, and you're having to make everybody feel good and you're having to create. You know, you have to figure out how to kind of work with everybody yep. in the right way to get the best out of them. It's and hard. then on top of that, then people forget you have to fucking have ideas. Is because it's like no that's what i'm saying because it's like, even if you're not doing any of that somebody's going to come to you and be like okay so how are we starting the show okay how are we doing this how yep. are we doing that and you have to pull a rabbit out your ass sometimes you know what i mean yep. and it's sort of like it's um i, th- I think from my perspective I-, I never like i i i chose the way i went about md was i just kind of i decided to do the role the way that it made sense to me because i played um for a short period of time um as a musician yep. but I was a um I was really a producer. That that's <laughs> I was a producer writer. So it's kind of like that's what I'd spent most of my life doing. So when I came into the live world, I barely knew what it was and I just figured it all out as I kind of was going along. But when I did start MDing, I kind of had this it, it did it just made sense for me to not be playing. It's just like mm. for me, it was just like producing a band. Yeah. That, that that's just yeah. how I kind of envisioned it. And it is a different kind of vocation but again i I think that it takes a little bit of time to grow into that so that's why when i when i speak to a lot of younger musicians sometimes and they say i want md i'm thinking myself why (laughs) 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 like 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 why like like what is it you want to do because it's like i think there's so much of it that's very challenging and i think as well to do it and play at the same time i think the fact that you were sort of in a scenario or in a setting whereby it was new for everybody and everything was building and growing organically, I think that's a fantastic way to do it. Do you know what I mean? Super um, fortunate.
1: I, I really think yeah. that um, I guess there was perhaps more grace all round because people were figuring things out for the first time. So sure. you know, I, remember, I remember years ago I found one of my hard drives from like Campaign 1 earlier and I, mm. I'm like do I dare open those Logic projects? <laughs> do I dare have a look and see how, how bad that was? And I opened a yeah. couple and went, I just laughed and I'm like man it's really healthy to see the progress. I've learned so much. And the only way, I guess the only way you, you grow and get better at these things is just by being consistent and trying to learn and um, learn from the knockbacks as well as the as the the victories, you know? Um,
0: well, absolutely. And I think that people, I think people forget as well. It's like, I think by nature as a human being, you want to be developing all the time. I feel like if you're, if you're not learning something new and if you're not moving forward, then you're basically standing still. Yeah. So, So you should be doing that anyway but i also think that um i just think it's so important how you make people feel and how people feel working with you and how people feel being around you because it's like yeah i do it's exactly the same for me i listen back to shit and i'm like oh that was whack that was whack that was (laughs) whack that was whack but 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 i but i'm also cognizant of the fact that You know that might be my opinion of it, but maybe at that particular time, that's not how they felt about it. For sure, felt about it. But also, as well, it's more important the stewardship and how people feel working with you is as important sometimes as the kind of specifics. You know, which kind of get forgotten in the moment because it's it's a moving target, isn't it? Massively so.
1: I think it's it's ninety percent down to your personality and how you communicate, how you get from A to B. Um, exactly,
0: and exactly. you know there
1: could be speed bumps and deviations and all sorts of stuff going on. But ultimately, you're in the room and you've got a, you've got a time frame, you've got a deadline. You know, I'm just casting. You've got to get this over the line. Um, you know, and I've I've got that wrong sometimes. I've totally got that wrong sometimes. And I, you know, the only way you really get develop your, the role is the MD, and it's a, effectively a producer role, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think the only way, the only way that I've got better, I think is by learning those hard lessons. I mean, interestingly, you're saying that you started as a producer and sort of fell into MDing. I'm I'm having like the total opposite sort of trajectory. Mm -hmm. So I fell into musical direction, but then Mm -hmm. ten or a decade later, I'm now my totally getting into production and tracking and recording. So it's really interesting that the journey of curiosity of just making music and getting better, um, is just a, it's a wonderful thing.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, I always say to people as well, the fact that to work with one artist for that amount of time, um, I I always look at like if you do one, two years on a campaign or whatever with an artist, I think, oh, wow, that's fantastic. If you Mm. do more than that. It's like, oh shit, what the fuck? Like, because <laughs> I feel like by nature, do you know what I mean? Sometimes people just want to make changes. Sometimes people yep. just want to look at different things. They want a different voice, whatever. Yep. So I think that it can be quite a fast moving industry in that way. But I think that where I, I, I see great value in being able to stick with a project and being part of a project for a long period of time, I think it shows a lot about the character of the people that do that. And I think that it's that's actually more important sometimes than having a fucking, you know, 20 page CV saying <laughs> I've worked with this, this person, that person, this person, that person, because I think that, that that doesn't always say a lot, do you know what yeah. I mean? So, it, um,
1: yeah, I, I totally agree. And again, I'm just really fortunate that, that, that moment I heard this demo on Hype <laughs> Machine and finding MySpace page led to this decade of starting, starting in, in a club in Brighton. I think we played to like 10 people for a show and then, you know, World sold out arenas around the world, um, that is quite a journey i don 't take it for granted at all I'm, I feel very blessed and fortunate to have experienced that um,
0: I think what I love about that as well that it came from a real place. you know what I mean like actually, like I listen to this I like this i 'm fucking with this. let me see, can I get involved like yeah
1: <laughs> yeah do you know I love that I, yeah that that 's been I guess when I look back at it all, I think do you know that this came from the heart that came from me using my ears and finding something that kind of caught me. and and it was attuned to what was happening at the time and and somebody else thought of that and the artist was really good and yeah, so I was really fortunate that Ellie my career with Ellie kind of became what it did Um, but Mm -hmm. I was pushing Mm -hmm. the door at the right time is how I I describe it I was ready for it I didn't know what it was going to be but I was ready and you know, I was damn well driving from 4am in the morning to get there on time to go and (laughs) show them my arrangement of Starry-Eyed and that's kind of where... That totally defines my career in a way. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, man. But then you you go off. Once you start working for other people and you take away that safety net of the great team that you've been fortunate to work with. Because, of course, a good show is not all about the MD. And it's not just about the artist. Of course, the artist is the artist. But it's about the strength of the team.
0: Absolutely, Um,
1: Strength of team in every position is what makes those golden shows that we know and love as good as they are. Um, Absolutely. And without that you know and so having been on a team that's kind of stayed the same pretty much all the way through mm-hmm. um, which is again is insane right that doesn't mm-hmm. really happen um, it doesn't but to then to then <laughs> yeah. to then get called to just go and, you know i mean when I, I met um clean bandit's manager coachella uh, in the mm-hmm. field he's like right so the ellie show is amazing i want to come and do that for clean bandit i'm like cool so i think i now have to do that i now have to do it for ellie but i can't bring on my team with me so yeah Let's figure that out. Let's figure out exactly what you need and what you want to be. Um, sure. And then I get a call for like the Mumford & Sons guys and they don't need a musical director at all because they're an amazing band. That's not what they need. They need somebody to help them like consult and deconstruct this record they've made with drum machines and synths for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was a whole new thing when I walked into production rehearsals with 80 people I didn't know and mm-hmm. the front of house guy gives me a wireless microphone and Everybody looks at me. It's like, cool, <laughs> let's go. Like, oh, shit. Okay, yeah. now you either I'm either spent the last ten years learning and developing to get to this point and to go and do this really well, or mm. I'm or I'm just going to walk out and not do it. And of course, I didn't walk out. <laughs> like, let's let's go. Let's do this. Let's embrace it. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah.
1: That's that's and that's kind of the trajectory of my career so far, really.
0: So I mean, I love the way how you feel it's developed more into a sort of production type of role and that's where you're heading. And also, but it feels to me very much started that as well. I think the things that you were displaying in the beginning were producer type things, but I want to talk to you about, um, you made a record last year. Yeah,
1: <laughs> um, I did. New,
0: Accidentally, a record? <laughs> yeah. But, um, how did that come about and why
1: did it come about? Um, just, just curious, um, curious about, I'd not, I'd not made a record before and I was in this position mm. where I was working on this really amazing big show with great people, mm. um, passionately working as hard as I could to make this record that somebody else made as good mm-hmm. as it can be live. And mm-hmm. I started thinking about where, well, who am I as an artist? So I've mm-hmm. never seen myself as an artist. I've always seen myself as a service provider and somebody that sits in that role, which mm-hmm. I really, really like. Um. But if I, if I'm getting called to work with other people as a musical director, which is effectively mm-hmm. a producer of a live mm-hmm. show, mm-hmm. I would like at some point, if I'm going to keep doing this to get called because of my artistry and because mm-hmm. of my musicality and because of my ideas as a person, rather mm-hmm. than we just saw that really great show you did come and do that. Yeah. That's that makes sense.
0: That's it. Yeah. It makes a hundred percent, a hundred percent sense because a lot of the times, um, people, um, people don't really know that much about you they just know that somebody has said that you're a good person to get
1: that's totally valid i mean you're not going to know the inside out of every single person you work with right um yeah
0: yeah but is but i think that it's but i think that it can advise it can help people to make Different type of decisions if they really have a better understanding of who those people are because sometimes again it, it is good enough to know that well it worked for them motherfuckers so it can work for us <laughs> but 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 by the same token when you actually can display your skills in a sort of auditory way um, in your own thing and basically have people maybe plug into who you really are and what you're really about I think that's a fantastic thing too and yeah. I think from my point of view just as a listener that was one of the things I mean I love that I love that EP it was I thought it was really Really great! Oh, I thought it was great. well Thank produced. You. It sounded great. It was really interesting, and it was generally dope. So, I mean, to think that that's the first thing that you kind of um <laughs> did like that, or kind of like, you know, that was your first journey into that. That's amazing, man!
1: Yeah. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. Uh, I thought it was only, oh, I thought it was my mom that listened to it, but that's. <laughs> the stream was on Spotify, so thanks to you. I guess I started. I started searching for okay, musicality. Who am I as a musician? Uh, what is my voice away from? what I do as a job. So if I was to get away from my laptop and my plugins and my door, who am, who am I? What music do I actually really love? What resonates with me the most? Um, like I, I'm a gear head, like I love equipment and gear. I always have, mm. And I start selling a bunch of my vintage drums, um, and start buying like analog outboard. Um, mm. like Space Echo was the first thing I bought and kind of working my way through these really weird esoteric sort of pieces. I guess my quest was. It was linked with Ellie, my, my thinking on Ellie was, I've been doing this whole Ableton sample drums thing um, mm-hmm. in the UK for a bit, and it's really good, and it works, and it's the same every night, and it's really clean and clear, but where's the personality in it? Mm-hmm, I wonder if there's mm-hmm. an odd bit of equipment out there that I could just sneak into the signal path before it gets to front of the house that adds mm-hmm. a, a unique signature to the sound, and that becomes my sound. So I started searching for what what could that be? Is that just a like a stereo compressor over the drum bus or is that something a bit more involved? Um, mm-hmm. And I never got to the point with Ellie where I implemented that, but the search for that led me into buying, like selling drums and buying synths and buying guitar pedals and buying things that I wouldn't have thought about a, a year before that. Um, mm-hmm. So all this started happening and then around the same time that, well, in terms of like my, what I do with social media, I'm going to just take off my filter of always trying to post the perfect drum video um mm-hmm. and you know i'm constantly competing with myself to be better so mm-hmm. i'm never going to post anything and I, I want to be creative and create with people so i'm just going to start posting anything that i come with i think interesting so i mm-hmm. set my drum kit and i used a, a midi controller to send my i don't know what overhead or snare top that was playing real time out to space echo or to all my plate reverbs and mm-hmm. i just Tracked it and it's noisy and distorted, but I'm like, oh, actually, this is kind of cool. And mm-hmm. I started building that up and started creating more. Um, interestingly, it kind of led to some getting some gigs. I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute. But um, so just kind of, I'm setting the scene, waffling away like I normally do. I, I, no, I, no, it's really I interesting. Started, <laughs> I love started it. a journey, a personal journey of how do I keep growing and get better and not stay, not kind of um, level at where I am. I want to. I want to have an interesting show and i want to keep finding new sounds how do i do that? sold some gear bought some weird gear took some risks started kind of taking my filter off of my own myself for what i was going to put out for myself online and then that led me into this time where i had some damn time between an early record and we had our second child and our second child the whole pregnancy and birth everything was super complicated and a really heavy time um mm-hmm. thankfully our child is okay. At uh, mm-hmm. the time, it, it wasn't okay. and I, But I had this place to go to. I had a studio to go to. I had all this gear set up. I had some synths that I borrowed from a friend. And I just started playing. Um, and over the course of maybe a month, two months, uh, while I was at home, I'd built up on my hard drive a whole folder full of ideas. And some of those ideas were like, I just got my drum kit, a loop up from my kit, playing through the audio win on an MS-20 Korg mm-hmm. and I was playing with the filters and for 20 minutes I was just like filtering and doing all sorts of stuff. So I had like things like that and I had like drone stuff that I was doing. Um, I bought a Tascam tape machine at the uh, Porter Studio and I was playing around with tape loops. 244? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, they're just so amazing. Um, well, yeah, yeah, I totally absolutely. I into the idea of tape loops and failing up different faders with, uh, you know, 15 second or however long um, chords and like I was just super curious and I had some time and I guess I had um, there was like an emotional journey that was on with the pregnancy of our second child and the birth mm. that acted as the conduit the filter the instigator of all this coming out of me made um, mm. so all this stuff and it was like I felt really passionate about it and it sat on my hard drive because I went back to work um, and then one of my best friends Simon who, who plays bass on Ellie uh, maybe like six months later it's like dude What's that thing? Remember what thing you sent me that was this heavy drum loop? What, to that? <laughs> what are you going to do with that? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe you could do some bass on it. Do you want to put some bass on it and see what happens? I'm like, yeah, all right. Um, and then my friend Carlos, Carlos Garcia, he's like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can hear a guitar on that idea that you sent me. Just, I put something down? I'm like, uh, yeah. Cool. I was going to
0: ask like, you who was playing those fucking guitars on that record because yeah? the guitars <laughs> some dope guitar it.
1: on it. I played guitar on one of them that was a, was a whole new thing for me. Oh, and- wow. Um, Carlos played on one and wrote with me on one and my friend Tom Crouch. Um, I don't know if you know Tom um, amazing artist but mm. also guitarist, plays on Jonas Brothers and a bunch of people um, okay. in LA. he played on a couple as well so, so that was a whole new thing Like suddenly six months later I opened up my hard drive and went uh, maybe, maybe I should do something with this and maybe I'll mm. send trusted friends who will tell me if it's just shit because I won't get upset because I don't have any plans for it but if they, mm-hmm. if they hear something, they might want to contribute and maybe that'll formulate uh, what mm-hmm. this could be. So I had sketches of songs um, that were all instrumental. A, a, a lot of it was, it wasn't a drum record when it started. I mean, I don't think it ended up that way anyway. It was more like an instrumental thing, but it was mm-hmm. a super personal um, like, journey, musical journey. And it, was, it totally represented how I felt. And so I, that's, that's kind of where it got to. And then classic me. Is like, well, okay, I've committed to it and I've made it and I want it to be the best that it can be. So I'm going to get it mixed. Mm-hmm. I, I'd met a guy through the working with mother and Sons dudes, um, this guy, Matt Wiggins, who's like a Grammy award winning mix engineer. And he did me an insane deal. And he turned he turned my ideas and stuff into this just amazing, I think, an amazing sounding little collection of songs. Um, and I did that. i like, well, if I'm doing that, I might as well do some um, do some video, like do a video for it and do the artwork because I can do right, that. Right, right. I can do that and, you know, maybe there's an opportunity to learn about actual social media marketing just for the fun of it. I turned a corner with it of like, I'm going to spend some money on mixing it. So this now becomes in my head real. Therefore, yeah, yeah. my expectation with this, I'm not trying to get a record deal. I'm not trying to have, there is literally, there's nothing attached to this other than what can I learn from it? What's mm, the most possible so I can mm. learn from doing this? Because, the process of it, of finishing it off, when I decided that I was going to make something... Sorry, I'm waffling, dude. Apologies. No, no, you're um, not waffling at all. It's fantastic, man. The process of when it gone from just being a collection of emotional ideas to, oh, actually, these are five compositions, to my friends playing on it, to then, actually, no, I'm going to mix it. I'm going to put it out. I don't care. Um, because it's important to me in my life right now that this exists. I want it to exist and be real. Um, and I don't care if anybody thinks it's shit. It doesn't. It's not about that. I'm not trying to do anything other than just let it live and exist. Um, absolutely and the whole thing was written about me desperately wanting my child to live and survive Mm -hmm. so it was it was real for me um Mm -hmm. so i just went down the journey of i'm gonna do the best i can with it with the limited resources that i have um put money into it um found something to help me learn about sending things um getting things ready to go online digitally and being accepted by spotify and apple music and i have a spreadsheets of stuff that i've learned and i did a short short run of vinyl did, we did 20 vinyl um mm-hmm. which went straight away which is really cool and I managed to keep one and then yeah and then I just drew a line in it so right I've I've had an idea I've made something I it's now a physical vinyl that exists um I've I've got a spreadsheet of things that I've learned I feel like I've emotionally like I've I've really benefited from this whole process of making something um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if anything else it exists and that's important to me and that's a moment in my musical journey um and the best case i mean what could come from that and i started thinking well i actually had producing records well yeah i'd love that and (laughs) i'm I'm actually a musician first and foremost like i want to make more music and the idea of all the skills that you know you acquire being a musical director i know how to mix a track for playback so you know i should Theoretically, be able to mix a song to a decent level um, to get it ready to go to a mix engineer. So, I can do that and I can communicate with people because being an MD is literally just making sure that everybody's doing their jobs, right? And communicating how to get there. And so, I could communicate that in a studio, I guess, as I could in a rehearsal room. So, maybe I could produce, maybe. And well, maybe, (laughs) I don't know. So, my, my brain started spinning a little bit of like, well, none of that really matters. What really matters is I made something, I'm really proud of it. What's next? And that's kind of how, that's just kind of how my brain works really.
0: That's amazing, man. I think that it's like so many things that are special about that. I think that first and foremost, I think that, um, it's so important at completing things. I think that, um, there's a lot of people that start things, a lot of people that have ideas. There's a lot of people that dabble with these things but i think that the actual process of going from a to z with something is a totally different energy than just having a few ideas and knocking together a few rhythms and this and that whatever so i think that the fact that you kind of did that is amazing but i think what i really really like about that is that you entered it from a space of just you did it because you wanted to do it and i Mm -hmm. think that um in music you know i think that you know If if we're looking back from historically speaking, you know, that's what you did. You fucking, you do what you do. You make music, you you create, you're a writer, you're whatever, you know, people would make music. And then when you had enough music that kind of like, then they would kind of make it, you know, they would put it into an album and then present it. And somewhere along the line, that became this whole kind of convoluted business thing where you have to then then you're writing something for an album and the minute you start putting the limitation on something it changes what it can potentially be mm. because there's already there's already a construct set up it's like okay you're writing it because you feel it needs to do this and it needs to kind of compete with that and it needs to compete with this and it needs to be here and i think that um it's so important to just create sometimes for creating sake do you know what I mean? And and I think that's where a lot of good things come from. You know, I think that there needs to be more of that in music today, in general. You know,
1: I certainly, I certainly know just from doing it and committing to it that it was a really healthy, cathartic thing for me to have done in my life. Mm. I'm super proud of it. I'm um, as proud of doing that and finishing it as I am of you know MDing a world arena tour, which is absolutely. amazing absolutely very fortunate. But it, like me as a human being, as a as a person, as a creator. Um, that was a moment for me that was like, Do you know what, There's maybe there's more to me in terms of creatively, even like musically as an output. Uh, and I don't know what that could be, but I'm just going to learn from it and um, push it as far as I can.
0: No, nah, it's fantastic, man. And what kind of, um musically speaking, what kind of people influenced you when you were growing up and what type of drummers or just musicians in general, what type of music were you into?
1: So I grew... My dad played drums and played guitar and played bass um, in church. Mm-hmm. So I kind of grew up in church, but well, like the Methodist church in England, um, mm-hmm. where drums really weren't a thing, you know, like. <laughs> this is not like a Pentecostal church. Like we're not encouraging yeah. drum. like, no drums at all. is <laughs> like it's pushing it. Um, yeah. But I got into drums, I don't know, when I was like 13 or 14 perhaps, so not super young. Um, mm-hmm. And what I remember is sort of music around the house when I was, starting getting curious about music it was kind of like these two different worlds it had my mum's like gospel collection which was kurt franklin pretty much great mm-hmm. States, live versions everything um mm-hmm. so i was hearing these amazing players um mm-hmm. eric and ty but playing that's the first time i heard those guys like really early on and wow. back then i was you know there's the physical um CDs, you could read who these players were. You could, it was, sure. it was, you're, you're right? So you had all it had some gospel stuff in there, and but my mum was um, massively into Northern Soul, Soul Motown, um, mm-hmm. so I, I was like just soaking in Aretha Franklin and um, that world of music. And mum, mm-hmm. massive Motown girl, um, and so that, and then church music. So, but like white Methodist. Kind of conservative kooky church music <laughs> right not, right. You know, not really like drums and stuff but my dad my dad um let me bring my drums down to church and you know he totally embraced me encouraged me and there were a whole bunch of people in that time that really encouraged me as well um my first like first drum inf- like hero was phil collins mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i remember this i remember this vividly actually i probably was like 14 and a friend of my father's lent me Genesis Live at Wembley mm-hmm. Phil, drum duet Phil Collins and Chester Thompson this 10 minutes of melody it wasn't just chops and noise and speed it was motifs it was um, a constructed movement and it, it probably blew my mind when I heard that like I try, I copied I learned the, fil- the uh, solo um, I learned how to play it I was totally mesmerized by the part writing of it so not just being drums and being loud and being fast or whatever it's more like wow this is, this is part writing this is um, this is I relate to that I resonate with that so drummers that have influenced me since then are all guys that write good parts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean I was I was obviously massively into Oasis and Blur and um, all mm-hmm. sorts um, mm-hmm. as most people do as a right passage in the UK Um mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah drummers wise guys like Matt Chamberlain um, I remember hearing Matt Chamberlain I don't know if you know him he's a, an LA based player I think he's from mm-hmm. Portland or Seattle originally um, I heard Sarah Bareilles um, I think she's from LA maybe I heard this record called Little Voice that she did and that's maybe like 8 or 9, 10 years ago and in my mind it's like the perfect pop record it's a pop record that I heard at the time and went this, everything about this is a yes from me like, right, right. the songwriting is yes her voice is yes the production is amazing it sounds like the players are there in the room and the playing and the tonality of the parts just knock my socks off and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. who the hell played on this quick google um, Matt Chamberlain played drums on that and uh-huh. I suddenly did a deep dive of the discography of this guy Matt Chamberlain and he's played on you know like 500 records and helped him oh, job. God. I mean the dude is a heavyweight session guy and then I started listening through it um, again like 10 years or so ago I'm like right this guy sounds like himself on everything that he's mm-hmm. played I, I can distinguish that it's him because the way he plays a snare drum when he plays a bass drum and the parts that he plays so it's tonality and parts and I absorbed all his collection like discography and I'm like right that's the kind of drum that I want to be that's the kind Amazing. of drum that I resonate with um, so like of, like Steve Jordan obviously those, but that ilk of players for me as a yes. drummer um is, is where my mind is, how I think, um, that's the stuff that I really get.
0: And when you went to sort of start producing this music, were there any particular style? Did you know what style of music you wanted to make or what style of production you wanted to do? Like, how did that kind of evolve into that kind of the, the tones and textures
1: that you made? Yeah. So the tones and textures of what I made are nothing like that. <laughs>
0: but, <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: I don't, I don't really know, actually. Hmm. I guess, who hey, What have been listening to? I should probably go back and have a look, but probably like Nine Inch Nails or something, or like maybe get into soundtracks or get into ambient drones and stuff. Just um, I, I like, I, 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 I hear a bit of
0: Radiohead, Tom York type of vibe too. I was thinking you might have been into. I don't know. A little bit of that, a little bit of perhaps,
1: um, I don't know. Radioheads are actually a good shout. Yeah. What Gosh, it'll come to me as we're talking. But I don't I don't know. I think I didn't sit down and go, right, here are the four reference points for this. I'm just gonna make music. Right,
0: um, right, right, right. But that's fucking
1: you know that's even better. That's wow. the best way to actually make music.
0: It's just like, okay, um, I got this stuff. How do I what it huh? <laughs> like,
1: you know what I mean? That's actually being a I m an MD was accident. Writing a instrumental EP was a total accident. It kind of just happened. So it wasn't premeditated. Um which is, there's a lot to learn from that as well. I actually learned a load from that to trust myself and have more confidence in myself as a, uh, as a creative person, as a, music, as a musician, to sit down and just make ideas. Before that point, I never even thought about writing music with people or producing records. I honestly hadn't. Uh, I was just so focused on being a great MD. Right, right, right. Do you know what I mean? Like, just, <laughs> because you, like, you know, you've done these huge shows for a long time. You've such a wealth of um, depth of, of experience as an md so you know yeah. that you get to a point and the job becomes really serious yeah yeah yeah, it yeah, really yeah. Serious. i found that that the early years like with ellie i mean it, i've enjoyed every moment of the ellie show and, but it has had definite seasons where the first season was this is just a wild ride and everyone everybody's enjoying it and we're doing these cool things and it's got energy and it's vibey yeah it's a little loose a little but that's what makes it cool yeah, and then the the second record comes and there's breakthrough success, and so I need to replicate that night after night. And then the big world tour comes around, and like holy shit, I've got to do this to like twenty thousand people a night, and it's got to be, it's got to stand up.
0: And nothing can go
1: wrong ever. <laughs> it's like <laughs> but I'm, but I'm the guy. Like, how have I got into position where I'm the MD here? Okay, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. Want to be the best that I can be right now, and it becomes really serious. Having this time away from the road is super he- healthy time for me to explore, right, I've ended up here, I got into it for this reason, and mm-hmm. I've come out of it super serious, and taken myself way <laughs> too seriously, and so driven to be the best that I can be, that yeah. I might have been a dick here and there, I might have got that thing wrong, I might have uh-huh. been, not been as nice as I could have been in that moment to that person, and let's just, let's just deal with that, let's let, let that go, that's not who you are. Get back to enjoying music and loving music for the sake of it. I think it's healthy to have that. Amen. Analyze that. Um, we're all in this together. You know, I, well, yeah, the idea of competing against people for gigs and rates and all that stuff, making sure my players are getting paid the right money and gigs from gigs, we're paying the same money and buyouts. And, you know, it's a really, it becomes a really serious thing. It's people's livelihoods. You, you've got to get it right. You've got to understand how those things work. And, um, Ah oh, it's just nice to take a step back from that for a minute.
0: Well yeah because you know it, it it is music. I mean let's 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 like sometimes we forget like it is music. It is art we're trying to do here. It is we are supposed to be doing creative shit. So it's like when it gets to be too much of that I understand there's a bit of that but when there's a bit too much of that there's an imbalance.
1: I had a scenario a few years ago where I was asked by an artist to just change the show for like yeah. a one off thing. I'm like, cool. Yeah. Yeah, great. What a great yeah, I'd love to do that. Mm. Um, that's a lot of work. Let's make sure we've got time to do that. And then mm. time disappeared because of whatever happened. And then suddenly only had two days in the in the room with the band to build mm-hmm. a show from scratch from nothing. Um, okay. before a big show. And like that was never ever doable. Like, <laughs> <I didn't> know. <laughs> but, you know, and then there were lots of reasons there were lots of questions off the back of that that well, wow, that could have been better and could have that been handled better. And Do you know what, man? That we just pulled a rabbit out of the hat there, and we did that with time, and that uh, actually isn't healthy. It's not healthy for me. I didn't sleep for four days doing that, and we got away with it, but it should have been better, you know. And that it makes you, it can make you turn you into a really serious, like really focused, blinkered kind of person, just to make sure that you get the job done. I don't know if if you can. Resonate with oh, that? Well, a
0: hundred percent. I mean, what well, a problem with the thing about pulling? This is what I've learned. The problem with pulling a rabbit out of it. The- out of the hat is that first you pull a rabbit out of the hat, then because you pull the rabbit out of the hat, the next time they expect you to pull out two, then they expect you to pull out four, then they expect you to pull out eight, and then people forget. They start fucking thinking that rabbits just fucking grow out of hats. They 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 forget that you're the one actually pulling it out. So it's just like it just becomes expected, and you pull out sixteen, and people don't even give you a pat on the fucking back. That's
1: what I'm not yeah you know, never got into it for the for the the applause, but at the same. Yeah. I'm, and, I, and i'm not scared of hard work at all but yeah yeah I, i'm a, my own biggest critique i'm busy competing with myself to be the best that i can be so in that moment i know we don't have enough time i That's know right. that i might be trampling on a few things because we're trying to get this done in a crazy stupid uh amount of
0: time a lot of the time is people always people kind of have like champagne taste on beer budgets do you mm. know what i mean so every everybody wants this fucking extravagant you know, four six month preparation type of show, but they want you to do it in five or six days. And you know, it's like, you know, sometimes you do the best you can do, but it's just not the same. You know, it's, it's just it's just not the same. And um, I think that I used to do that quite a bit, where I would, um, you know, just work crazy hours and do this and do that and whatever. But I, I got to a point where I would I started speaking honestly about what I can. And what could or couldn't be, could, what could and couldn't be done, and if I don't think something can be done, then I just don't do it. Because the bottom line with it is that, at the end of the day, if it's not right, you take the blame. Mm. That, that 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 that's what being an MD or any type of role where you kind of are supposed to be in charge of something. That's the key thing. You're going to be the person that takes the blame. And I remember that when I was, I think I learned that lesson. I was about eighteen or nineteen, and I was making my first record, and um. I, um, I remember there were some choices I was making in the mix and the engineer was like, no, you know, it needs to be like this. And, you know, I'm pretty much a young kid and, um, I know what I thought, I know where I thought whatever should have sat, but I just, I chose to listen to the engineer because I figured oh well, you know, he's like 15 years older than me. He knows what he's doing. He's done it a lot. I'd be stupid not to take advice from somebody that's more experienced than me. Do you know what I mean? And of course, exactly what fucking I thought it should have been was what it should have been. And you know, everyone in the label was like, Oh yeah, the thing is right. That's too loud. And that needs to come up. And I'm thinking to myself, you fucking dumb motherfucker. Why are you listening to somebody else? And it just, it just taught me from then. I just trust myself. Do you know (laughs) what I mean? Because no matter what happens, when you're in that room, taking the blame, that engineer was nowhere near. (laughs) It's like, he he was gone. He was like, he was on another job. So, um,
1: as crap as that is, um, I've certainly learned a few like that. I'm like, oh, actually, no, I should have said (laughs) no. Um, yeah. and, And, I, I did a I did an M D thing, I worked for an artist again a couple of years ago. Um, and it was it was exactly that. It's like we want all of this, but we have yeah. this amount of time and this is the budget. And yeah. I was like, what? I, I've just gotta say no. It was the first thing job I said no to. Um, yeah. which is weird, isn't it? As a creative professional. I'm like, No, because I don't think it's doable and it, it even if it is, I don't think it, I would be happy with the the output. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I'm not the right person for it. So it's definitely, definitely a, a thing you've got to learn to get to that perspective and that point of view. Absolutely. So um, tell me a little bit about. So I don't want to keep
0: you too much longer, but I'd like to know a little bit about. I've seen some you doing some really. I know you released a, a drum DVD, and then you do a master classes and things of that nature. So yeah. there's things you're doing, like I guess from an education perspective, like what's that about? Oh, dude, I just, I just
1: want to like, I want to do stuff. I don't, um, yeah, yeah. I like creating I like things. Um, yeah. so the educational thing, never really set out to do that at all. Um, yeah, I, I made a video series, yes, um, yes. last year. Mm-hmm. Now that came about because I don't know, like, I started using Ableton Live on a gig. Now that's not a new thing. People were doing it before I was doing it. Um, but being a drummer, I was using MIDI and I was using sample based, um, Things like drum racks and instrument racks in Ableton, um, which wasn't being done done a whole bunch in the UK at the time. So I guess people were a little bit curious about how that worked, particularly drummers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always, I've always said, wait a minute, there's nothing new about this technology. Like my my good friend Andy Gengadeen had a rack full of samplers with floppy disks, and you know, like the the guys have been innovating technology and and using samples and technology within live shows for for like decades. So it's not new. It's just sure. a, a new bit of software. And the implementation of actually how, as a drummer, when I'm looking to hire a drummer for something, it's, it's like a given that they need to know how to handle their samples and they need to know how an SPDS works at the very least, because it's one less yeah. job for me to worry about. Um, so I got, I started getting loads of questions. I started like playing at some drum shows maybe like two or three years ago. Um, and mm-hmm. I would find myself at the drum shows like playing alley tracks, but then getting questions about, yeah, but how does that pad talk to your laptop? And mm-hmm. how are you changing all those samples? How is that one pad playing all those sounds every yeah, time hit yeah. it, you hit it? Yeah, it's called automation. It's called Ableton Live. And after like doing three or four of those things, um, I got a call to go and do. I did like a lecture, like an hour and a half, two-hour lecture at uh, mm-hmm. the music school, and it was all about MIDI implementation using Ableton Live in live performance. And I mm. flipping, I loved it. I Was like this is my jam. I could talk about <laughs> this. I could talk about this all night long. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah because it's easier than ever now with technology that we have it's more stable than ever or to be able to recreate the detail sonically um and changing sounds and all sorts exactly like it is in the record so my, my mentality is as a starting point let's make it sound as good as the record and then let's from there that's our guideline and then let's add in humans to play that and then let's widen the sort of the the remit of what can be played and what can be changed and from there we've got a great sounding gig that the people who bought the record have paid for a ticket they can hear that um, track and know straight away they can identify what song it is, and they feel connected and then we add the human touch into that So that's kind of always been my perspective as a musical director at least Mm -hmm. right or wrong i guess that's just how i see it as a a, just as the art form um Mm -hmm. Sorry, another waffle. I love it. Um, That's not
0: a you're not waffling at
1: all, you know. This is this is not waffling, man. this is I fucking thought,
0: valuable shit. I hope not, everybody's listening.
1: <laughs> yeah, so all to say that I started talking about it more and more and people were asking more questions about it. And I'm like, Well, I've learned this myself and mm-hmm. I've learned how to do this on Ellie with myself and, and a couple of guys in the gig that came on. Like Sir Francis was an amazing, amazing programmer, and mm-hmm. YouTubers two of us would just spend all night learning how to do stuff that we couldn't do. Um, mm-hmm. And we ended up building this this really great rig that we were playing. And this is the thing that I'm super passionate about, which is why I got to the education thing, is that the old premise of pop music is like is cheap and dispensary in terms of performance. Mm-hmm. It's all track. It's just players playing loud and fast on top of track. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate that idea because it's not true. And with the technology mm-hmm. that we have, on Ellie, when we were in 2016 mode, we were playing every damn thing from that record live. And the things that were on track were very minimal because mm-hmm. we, were, we were using Ableton and we were using Soft Sense and software libraries and drum samples from the record. We were automating the crap out of it. So it was changing and filters opening. And we were recreating the record, but then we're having people play it live on stage. That gets me excited. That is why I'm still passionate about it. So a friend of mine, a a mutual friend probably came to the O2 show on that Ellie Tour and went, Oh, there's a, there's a six minute section where it was like you were in a club. And there weren't any live drums or no live guitars. But then I could feel like it was it felt like you guys were all like Pocket was moving and shifting naturally in a really cool way. Like how did mm-hmm. you program that? Did like did you did you automate the click to like go up and down in tempo? I'm like, no man. Mm-hmm. We just should we played that. We were nice. all we were using a laptop basically in technology as an instrument and we were all, I was playing all sample drums, so there's, there's inherent latency, you can't get around latency at all, um, yeah. from hitting a pad to hitting Ableton to hitting in front of house and I've learned, I've learned how to play that as a drummer and mm-hmm. so I'm playing with that feel and Simon's playing synth bass with a pocket based off what he's hearing from me and mm-hmm. our keys players, Collar at the time was playing uh, synth in that way and Chris was playing keys as well and there's suddenly there's this fully digital sound and world because it's all coming from laptops and soft synths but it's not track it's people playing it and that was like that was my eureka moment of this is it this is if i if i want to work on pop shows and do this kind of thing this is what it is for me this is what i want it to be i want people to come to a massive gig and hear a song that they know sound the way they sound, they think it should sound but have humans playing it yeah 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 feeling the pocket changes every night but it's always repeatable in terms of the sonics um, so that's totally, that has become the thing that I'm really passionate about as a musical director is that mm-hmm. we can do it and it takes a lot of time to get there but it's worth it because the detail, the 1% change here and there will add up to a better overall um, show. As I totally mm-hmm. believe that. So, Absolutely. And I, so, off the back of that, I was talking about that at master classes at music schools and stuff um, but I couldn't find anything online that would just really succinct and clear in terms of this is how it works from a drum perspective don't be afraid of technology don't be afraid of ableton ableton is a, a piece of software and other software um other software exists but yeah, yeah. it's really good for handling real-time manipulation of audio and midi absolutely That's why use it. um so prevalently on shows so i just did again i funded it myself and um a music manufacturer Wanted to back me on it and invest some money into to help me create it because it's going to cost like thousands of pounds to film it and edit it and you know do it properly in a studio Um, because that's like if I'm doing it, I wanted to do it as well as I can. Um, Yeah, sure. So we got kind of got down the path with that, and I kind of backed out of it because I didn't want it to be associated with a product, or I wanted to be completely mine and be able Mm -hmm. to communicate it in the way that I wanted to communicate it. So it kind of took me longer to do it. but I edited it all myself. I oh, wow. it myself. We we filmed it at Snap Studios in London. Um, my friend Tom uh, engineered the drums. and My friend helped me film it. Um, but I spent the next three months learning how to use Adobe Premiere, edited the whole thing myself, um, wow. mixed it all, did did everything with it, and just put it out there. I had no idea if any single damn person was going to buy it and watch it. Um, again just another risk i just wanted to do it and i mm-hmm. could at the time At the time like well it's an investment i invest in cash so i want it to kind of break even for sure but i think it's a really good resource um and i'm really glad that i did it and it's been really really well received it's not mm-hmm. not been as huge as it perhaps it could have been but um, i'm certainly disappointed i think that it's i've learned so much by doing it and um i had one I'd, there's one magazine picked that picked it up, Modern Drum, did a really cool review on it um, beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it like, said everything about it that I was hoping people would see that it's a really valuable resource. And it, I totally break down this is how your device, your pad, plugs into Ableton. This is how you can use a sample. This stuff's not difficult. It requires some time, but it can totally shape you as a musician, first and foremost. But it's a viable tool for you to have and for you to understand if you want to work in live music.
0: That is just such a fantastic thing to put out there as well because um, that's something that's really usable, that's really necessary and that I imagine you can go through the sort of tutorials and whatnot, learn it and be able to apply it straight away because it's coming from somebody that's actually already applied it. So, <laughs> so
1: like, like anything that I've kind of done that's in my own project, I just want to see something through from the beginning to the end. I want to be brave enough to go and do something on my own and take a risk. Um, and back myself so I'm glad that did it but having I actually did like a a one day course like I off the back of it went to Metropolis Mm -hmm. Studios February this year yeah Feb I think end of Feb beginning of March Uh, and I had 10 people came and it was insane actually talking to people that they embraced the entire thing it's completely changed the way that they use technology on stage and they're using it on gigs and doing it Um, it was a real revelation like do you know what I did it it was a total a lot of work. Glad that I did it yeah. because people are actually learning stuff from it and applying it um, to music like it's a real thing.
0: I think that's fantastic that you did it and once again I think that it's great that, you're, um, that you actually completed it, shared it, put it out there and people have it and I imagine like over time that's the type of thing, there's not, things, there's not a lot of things like that so I imagine that's the type of thing that a lot of people will be referencing and getting into um, over time for sure.
1: I hope so. I mean it's a really interesting thing as well in terms of exploring like residual income um, mm-hmm. understanding what is the, that I can put out there that might just tick away in the background. And you know, every time I get an email from, um, the host, the, the platform, that hosts the, the course, I like, let's do a little mini fist. I'm like, Damn, that's amazing. Somebody's just bought my course that I made a year ago and I've not thought that's about right. it. And this person's just bought it and I got an email. How sick is that? They're going to learn something. Yeah. I feel like that's helping me, um, in my career. That's a really awesome thing, I, and I totally recommend people to explore how they can sort of monetize the things that they do.
0: Oh, absolutely! I think that it's really important to try and monetize everything that you that you can really, because you put so much into things. And you know, if there's a way, it's not it's not about monetizing it, but if you have something of quality, it's likely that it can be monetized. And like you said, it's yeah. like I just I've always had this thing that I'd rather something be doing something than nothing. So sure. um, there was a period period in my career maybe. I don't know, maybe 18, 19 years ago, something stupid like that when I was doing a lot of music for TV and music for film and stuff like that and library bits and whatnot. And, you know, I haven't touched that stuff in like literally like since then, like, as I said, like 17, 18 years and I still get residuals from that shit now. And it was kind of like, it was kind of like it's stuff that I did on a whim. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, like I might've went in, I might've you know, put about three, 400 things into circulation, but that's not the point. The point is, is that it's still like, we're here, like, I don't even remember some of this stuff. And sometimes I'll be watching something on TV and I'll hear something. I'll be like, Oh yeah, I did that. <laughs> like,
1: Oh yeah, that's I remember the, that. I remember. That's the dream, man. Not to be like, we're not being cynical at all. Uh, it's like, be, be creative, but be smart as well. It's also it's what we do for a living. It's our careers. It's what we do. Well, and I think it's depressing. I think
0: I, I just got to a point, I think, that as well, I think it's sometimes when you like, particularly with when you're making and creating music and it's like when you've made high quality music, it's like, I love the fact that, for example, your record, you yeah. you've made your record, you completed it, you put it out there listen it's there it's done it could do so many things over the course of time you don't actually know but i think that what's actually more depressing is when you have things that are complete and they're just sitting on a hard drive or on a cd somewhere and it's like it's not doing nothing for anybody do you know what i mean it's it's really not doing anything so it's
1: like personally speak anyway i've learned so much more about myself by just committing to doing something without it having an immediate monetary value i feel like that's a really important thing um as a creative person just to do. Um, interestingly, in this time of not having live shows, I actually found one of my notebooks from last year, and there's like three or four pages mm-hmm. full of these ideas that I've not, I'd never had time wow. to do. And I'm like, mm-hmm. do you know what? Damn it, I'm going to come out of this season, whatever it looks like, having done something, uh, having just made one of these ideas happen, good or bad, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm going to do it. Absolutely. And that's, that's my goal. Um, and who knows, right? You, you end up doing, you do some film music or you do... Some commercial things, jingles, or you, whatever that sits there for years, and suddenly, before you know it, your career completely changes or takes a new down. You head down a new path, but you will never know if you don't actually open your eyes and take a gamble and just go out and do something. You'll you'll never know.
0: Yeah. So, um, God, with all these different kind of ang- angles and avenues and plans. And what are you? What's next for you, Joe? What are you kind of hoping to do? What are you thinking?
1: I don't know. I I've just done something different. Um, mm-hmm. I filmed and edited and was the artist in a, like a, a piece for a music manufacturer that I made just at my studio, uh, like filmed it all myself and edited it all myself and did all the music and audio and like spot to camera the whole thing, and like got paid for it. And Amazing! That's a new thing. I'm like, well, yeah, I guess that's my skills. I can I can do all that. Um, I wonder what that will lead to and what door that will open. Um, so, what's next? I don't actually know. I would love, f- I can't wait to get back into live music whenever that happens mm-hmm. um in the meantime i want to continue down the path of remote recording and producing which i'm doing a bunch of um mm-hmm. i have a remix to finish tonight that's my next job tonight uh finishing yes. a remix. um yeah just i want to try and keep upper-minded to anything that's creative that keeps me excited and then hopefully when live music comes around i um The better for it i have fresh perspective or fresh motivation or come at it with new ideas or maybe i don't do that anymore and go do something else i literally have no idea and i feel really chill about that actually um totally open to whatever sort of comes next i'm actually just loving being at home
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, that's fantastic, man. Listen, it's been so, so, so good talking to you, man. It's, um, I think it's really interesting. Everything that you're doing, everything you've done is fascinating. And, um, I appreciate you kind of coming on and sharing all this. So, um, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate it. And, um, where um where's the best place for people to tune into different things that you're doing and different things that you're creating and different projects you might be having?
1: Well, that's the trick when you're doing all these different things. Like, how do you actually keep that concise and just? More- <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess yeah. just like my Instagram, um, which is just at Clegg Drums. Now, I, f- I feel so cringe because my my username is at Clegg Drums. Uh, The final story I'll tell you is when I got on Instagram. You'd think that Joe Clegg, Clegg you think it's kind of like a unique name, right? And I, I didn't have a gig. This is like 12 years ago when Instagram first happened. Joe uh-huh. Clegg. Oh, username taken. What? Joe Joe.Clegg. Joseph Clegg. Joe Clegg1. <laughs> there are so many Joe Cleggs. I didn't even know this is a thing. It's like, like, I just want a gig. I want to be a drummer. Fine. Clegg Drums. I was so like, yeah, that's a sick username. And then now I'm in my late 30s. I'm like, you idiot.
0: Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, man. I think I think like, as long as, as long as people know where to get to, then that's all. That's that's fine. Do you know what I mean. You're gonna get drums.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, listen, baby, listen. Take care. Good luck with everything you're doing. And again, thanks a lot for coming on. And um, we'll have to do it again at some point for sure.
1: Yeah, dude. great chatting to you.
0: All right, well, you you man, take it easy. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. I personally learned a lot and got a lot from it. Definitely check out Joe and some of his many endeavors. On the next episode, i talk to the man behind the funky bass on our theme tune, Mr. Deshawn Abrahams, born in Sri Lanka, raised in Australia. He's came to the UK and been one of the top names on the session scene for over a decade look out for it